We all want more freedom, and a lot of us work hard now in the hope we'll feel free later. What if there was another way? A way to feel happier, more free, and confident to get better results right now. Welcome to Your Freedom Unlimited, where we share practical stories and strategies to help you show up authentically, drop your fears, and take inspired action on what matters most to you. I'm your host, Jen Ramsey. As a coach with a love for metaphysics, science, spirituality, and strategies that get results, I'll help you step away from self-doubt and create a powerful new story for your life, business, or career. Join me. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Your Freedom Unlimited with me, Jen Ramsey. And this week, I am super excited to be bringing to you a really beautiful and incredibly talented guest, the amazing Anita Cassidy Bowman. Anita is a sound healing practitioner and a teacher. And for her, this is one of the, some of Anita's words that I want to share with you too, as I give a little introduction. Each minuscule part of us vibrates, creating sound, which then merges with and influences the energetic vibrations of the rest of our world from the inner earth to the stars and beyond. It's Anita's appreciation of this understanding that she carries with her in her meditation classes, diverse sound bath and storytelling events. For 20 plus years, Anita has explored traditional vocal therapy and the sound science of ancient India, integrating what she's learned into meditation and nard or sound yoga classes. She combines this knowledge today with the love of indigenous world music and an ever deepening connection with the natural world and her Irish Celtic heritage. So Anita, I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be with you, Jen. I've only just met you and you're such a shining soul and it's lovely that we can have this conversation. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's just, look, and it is, we have just met and I've just, all things disclosed, Anita is my sound healing teacher. I've decided, decided to actually do some study in this area and I have just been so blessed that uh, literally the universe brought us together. It was a very chance occurrence, um, but uh, I heard Anita, I saw Anita's website and then I saw her on YouTube and I thought this is definitely the sound healing teacher for me. So, and we, we've done one program together. I'm looking forward to diving even, even in more deeply. And uh, I just thought it would be wonderful to have you here on the show today, just to share with us a little bit of your journey, a little bit of your backstory, and then to talk about the amazing thing of, of, of the amazing beauty and healing nature of sound. So, Anita, perhaps just let's wind back to a little bit of your backstory. You know, where have you come from and, and what brought you into the world of sound? Sure, sure. Yes, well, I grew up um, nearly in the very centre of England in, in a little town called Wigston, um, near the city of Leicester. And um, I think the greatest pleasure for me um, growing up in, in well, it, it's, you know, it's a lovely, lovely place, England, some places in particular, if you can get out into the country, you know, travel along the locks, you know, the, the waterways, etc. But sometimes in towns, it can be a little grey. There's lots of rain over there. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here in Australia now. Um, and But I think, you know, my greatest inspiration and pleasure and um, was always sound. So listening to music. And, and I was just thinking this morning, lying in bed, you know, what's, what's the earliest uh, piece of music that I can remember really connecting with? And um, 
apart from, you know, singing at church and some of those, you know, songs sort of staying with you forever, you know, um, even long past, you know, regular visits to, to church. But um, I think they were the, the Christmas albums that my sister and I pulled out every year. And they were by um, Bing Crosby and um, Nat King Cole. Do you, do you know them, Jen? I do indeed. And we listen to those Christmas albums at Christmas and at our place too. With a bit of Dean Martin. With a bit of Dean Martin mixed in there as well. Just And they're beautiful. There was such a, a beautiful, almost like an innocent energy to that music wasn't there, but just a beautiful, also incredibly beautifully produced and a lot of heart in their music too. Absolutely. And, and such, um, you know, well-trained professional singers, as you say, who could, you know, who could really resonate um, their, their, their own heart frequency through their song, you know, their voice is very deep and mellow and, and that deepness is very soothing to us, I think, too, you know, very healing. You know, those slow, slow, deep sounds have longer um, wavelengths, so they can penetrate more deeply into us, hence, the, you know, the healing instruments like the didgeridoo, which can be used for healing bone, you know, it, yeah, very, very low, deep um, wavelengths, very slow, can penetrate more easily through denser material. So, um, you know, our, our Indigenous people here, you know, are, are great, you know, they've, they've had sound healing in their practice for thousands and thousands of years. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, so I, I'm really connected um, with Bing Crosby and, <laughs> and Nat King Cole, so beautiful. Well, it's so, then, oh, sorry, I was going to say, just before you go on, you're exactly right. It's really interesting to hear you have explained the nuance of it's their low, deep um, voices, those tones that are so healing, and they do, they draw you in, don't they? They're very comforting and calming. So what a beautiful, what a beautiful way to begin. So, and you're already starting to teach us, so thank you. So what, what happened next? Immediately, and you'll have to, I hope you can go with me because I'm very non-local, you know, so lots of different ideas will come at the same time. But I immediately think of the cat's purr as well, mm. you know, when the cat is on the knee and it has this very, very deep, long, slow purr. It's in training us into, you know, a state of deeper relaxation. Mm. Um, so, you know, beautiful. I love cats. Um, I do too. I can't have one. My partner's allergic to cats, you know. Um, but yes, beautiful animals that teach us so much. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so from there, I suppose I go to um, Motown, maybe, you know, and lots of different music of England in periods of the 70s, the 80s you know, before I left and went traveling, um, we, we're, were my solace, mm. you know, and, and my expansion, I suppose, lots of different sorts of music, um, Motown, Diana Ross, you know, the Supremes. Um, uh, I can't remember anymore at the moment, but... Um, Again, very heartfelt, um, very, yeah. very heartfelt, you know, soul, you know, you're talking there about a lot of soul, you know, talk about that music, so the soul, and, and you, they, 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 those really are those musicians, and um, I have a private view that also I think that a lot of, there's a lot of great music has come out of the UK. I think the British pop and rock stars are actually the best in the world. You know, I think there's something about music that's come out of England that's, that's really incredible. Yes, yes, yeah, I think so. Maybe it's because of the, the long journey, you know, the English people have had. It's just in their DNA maybe, you know, the sufferance 
of being, um, you know, um, attacked. The country's been attacked and, and occupied by so many people throughout the ages. You know, there was a French occupation for many, many years and the French left most of their language in, in English, you know, so, so most of our verbs are French verbs, you oh, know. Yeah, and then we have the Vikings, you know, um, you know, and the different people from Northern um, Europe, you know, that came and left their mark and, and, in, and created all these different dialects, I suppose, added to the different, you know, the slight nuances in the differences in the language around England. So, which makes it a really interesting place too, you know, all of those different sounds that we're so used to hearing when we grow up there. You know, different that's right. It's a real diversity, isn't it? It's a real, yes. real melting pot in many ways. So that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. that I, I like what you're saying there. And so for you growing up, did you play music? Did you sing? Obviously, you mentioned you sang in church. I did too. Did yeah. you play instruments? Were you sort of singing and with involved in music personally from a young age? I was very shy when I was young. So I did sing in the choir in primary school. But then when it came to the secondary school, we all had to stand forward of the group and sing. We had to sing a few words. And, and I'll always remember, you know, I don't have great memory, but I do remember this. We had to sing eggs and bacon. You know, however we wanted to sing it, we just had to sing eggs and bacon. You know, but I, it was just way too much for me and I couldn't do it. So, so I didn't join the choir in oh. secondary school. <laughs> but I sang at home in my bedroom constantly constantly singing to all of these different musicians and um, recording music on our tape recorders you know recording radio you know yes, yes. <laughs> yes so I just absolutely loved I um you know that was I wasn't I was a very quiet insular um person really as a young 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 one um but music was really opened my heart and really made me feel full and um and happy Joyful, mm. absolutely, yes. I had so it's I had a similar, I, I had similar experience. I was quite introverted and shy as a child, and I grew up in a property, and my siblings were all a lot older than me, so I was effectively an only child. But I listened to the radio constantly, sang, making mixtapes, exactly the sim <laughs> similar. So, a lot of, but a lot of singing, and and you're right, the song just makes us feel so good makes us feel yeah. so good so did you play any instruments or did that come later yes yeah I taught myself to play the guitar um so um you know if only we'd had all of those lessons that you know there are today you know for kids who are learning to play instruments you know online and um, but yeah I, I bought a classical guitar book and you know I worked my way through that book and I don't think I've really got any further than that level of classical guitar playing <laughs> But I can play chords, you know, and when you can play chords and strum and finger picture chords, you can you can play along to anything, mm. you know, and um, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, I, when I first started um, singing Indian bhajan, which are, which are songs, which are longer songs, um, I would play along with the guitar. Beautiful. Yes, yes, to those songs, which again were very nourishing, very joyful but in a more conscious way. Mm. So we know we're singing to the spirit, to our own spirit, you know, and different aspects of the human journey. Um, and when you're singing these songs with others, you know, the, it lifts the consciousness, you know, 
uh, really, that's one of the great things about sound, you know, it's the source energy um, and it, it can create balance in us. Um, you know, it has so many healing benefits, but also it helps to really shift our vibration, shift our consciousness. Um, which brings even greater, you know, sort of harmony and joy um, and peace and well-being. Yes. Wow. And you're you're straight here into the big stuff, which I love to talk about, which is this shifting of consciousness. (laughs) We're straight in, everyone, to this conversation. It's part of everything. That's right. Well, it is. It's true. So that's, you know, and look, I completely agree, and I, I have chanted Kirtan and, and, and sat in satsang many times, um, probably not as much as you, but again, I agree with you, that beautiful, uplifting power of the voice and, and joining, particularly with those, a lot of those very ancient ancient, ancient mantras that, that have the seed sounds in them. Um, but let's just, so in terms of that shifting of consciousness, how did that happen in your journey? How did you, so you'd listen to these incredible you know, uh, musical greats and then Motown, Diana Ross, coming to more contemporary music. What happened on your journey that helped you almost deepen more into, into the healing power of sound? Well, it didn't really happen at that stage. I suppose I was accumulating um, experience, you know, and maybe I think I was actually going through a dark night of the soul as, as, a, as a child, you know, as a teenager, especially. Um, so I had, um, um, you know, nobody would have said at the time because we probably didn't talk about thing, those things or understand those things, but I can see I had depression. You know, I felt very much not part of the, the world seemed very harsh around me. There seemed to be a lot of unkindness. And um, even though I couldn't articulate that, you know, I wasn't feeling love in my environment, you know, um, from school, etc. So music, as I said before, you know, music was really what gave me joy. So I was sort of tapping into that, that need for sound, being reconnected with sound, you know. Um, but yeah, I suppose then um, when I left England is when I first, uh, well, maybe in my late teens, you know, I left school um, um, a little bit early. Well, I, I did my mock exams, which is the same as your, your trial HSCs. And I was always kept in the top class, you know, but that meant I had to give away sports and I gave away music, you know, and I, and I really wasn't in the headspace for it. So, so I left and went traveling and that's where you know my world opened up and and literally the sun was shining (laughs) the sky was higher you know better weather we were talking about before we came on on air today we were talking about the weather in England versus Australia so um yes the sky literally was high where you went yes yeah absolutely and I, I could say the people were happier but that's probably also a perception because you know I'd grown um, you know, sort of my brain had developed more, you know, um, I'd, I'd come into maturity more as well. So, you know, um, I really enjoyed the freedom, you know, of, of being in these big open wide spaces where, you know, people are having fun. And, and, and I followed the, I went with a group of people and we, we had a van and we painted it pink and we, <laughs> and it was it was a closed van. It was it was a combi, but it was a closed combi, you know. So we didn't have the windows, etc. Um, and 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 I suppose a lot of us were driving illegally in the back. You know? <laughs> we wouldn't be able to do that now. <laughs> and where were you? Was this in Europe or where was it? Yes. Yeah, so we crossed the border into France, and then we went through 
Uh, we went through Switzerland, we went through the colder climes, you know, we lost my best friend. She, she just couldn't bear being away from her England and her dad. Um, so she sort of left us in Switzerland, I think. And then we went down to the, the French coast and then along Spain. And then we stopped at uh, Gibraltar, which oh, wow. is, you know, British sort of owned. Um, and I got a job in Gibraltar and would cross the, uh, sorry, I got the job, yes, in Gibraltar. I lived in La, La, Nina, La Linea, which is on the other, um, the border, which is in Spain. So I would cross the border every day and um, go to work in Gibraltar and then back into Spain, you know, and experience the, the more relaxed again, Spanish lifestyle, you know, where there's um, siestas in the afternoon and fiestas every night. And <laughs> And, you know, of course, there were lots of English because, you know, all the English flood to the south of France and the south of Spain and don't always behave themselves. Um, but no, I had a wonderful time there and met some lovely friends and worked in restaurants. Um, yeah, so I found a bigger sense of freedom of the heart there. Yes, and continued singing, continued singing along to the music, you know, I, I learned there and, and, and having studied French, you know, I could understand a lot of the Spanish as well and could sing along to the Spanish songs and, and they seemed so joyful too. So yeah, I was there for a year. And then um, I went back to London, worked in London to save up some money um, before uh, going to Australia. Oh, so yeah. Australia always was a, a destination for you? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, you've heard of the 10, 10 pound poms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so mum and dad were gonna go come over here when I was um, about 10 maybe. And, um, and so I was fascinated with Australia. And I you had- You probably should just for a minute for those who are not from Australia or England explain what a 10 pound pom is. It's actually, was it's part of an immigration program Australia had in place to yeah. attract people to, to live in Australia. That's right, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And you would only have to pay 10 pounds, you know, and <laughs> it's a little different now. <laughs> and now you have to wait on a list for a long time, you know, and pay a lot of money. And so, yeah, it would have been a, a great opportunity, but that wasn't meant to be. Um, Mum didn't want her to leave her family in Ireland, you know, um, so we didn't come over. Um, synchronistically, now I'm here. Mum's here. Um, my dad never made it um, except for on holiday. And uh, my sister's here. So, you know, it was all meant to be eventually. <laughs> and maybe I was meant to have those experiences I had growing up, you know, as a youth in England, um, rather than becoming a surfer or something exciting. <laughs> Well, you got here eventually, and that's the most important thing, and your mum and your sister as well. So yes. great. Yes. 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 So when when was that immigrate? Was it was that in the when what years were they? The um that was uh late um uh so I was born in sixty-six, so it would have been maybe seventy-six. Early so in the seventies. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Just I actually go back. I should go back to the time spent in um Gibraltar because that was very um, influential to me. I, I met um, a friend there, my, my first serious boyfriend there, and he was very um, interested in Zen Buddhism. Mm -hmm. So he 
he introduced me to Zen, uh, to Buddhism, you know, and that, uh, and also to Carlos Castaneda. Wow. Uh, the shamanic path, you know, of the Huico Indians in Mexico. And that totally uh, was fascinating to me. Um, you know, it was like, yes, you know, there is a bigger picture to this world that we're you know sort of yeah absolutely so that was very very beneficial and we, we parted to go return home to England um one year to visit our families and as a present he gave me the whole lot of books by Carlos Castaneda you know about the shaman Don Juan um and you know um, an, an American man's um journey to become a shaman with this this older very wise wise um man and at that I just I've sat in the corner of my room you know that Christmas and just read these books <laughs> and so yes that was a big influential period of my life to bringing in meditation and a higher state a more multi-dimensional state of consciousness mm. yes seeing there, was, seeing there was more beyond the, the than the everyday the 3d so that's and how interesting people come into our lives don't they with the messengers they come with the particular information they may or may not stay but they're they're quite deliberately planted in our lives that to give us that information at that time and that you you what a great imagine that you're in spain slash gibraltar living this incredibly free life and then getting all of these new ideas coming into your consciousness as well so so what happened then yes well i <laughs> So I took them with me and they've been with me forever after. <laughs> so, yeah, so I went back to Spain um, and then we came back over to London together and worked in London and I saved up money to come to Australia. And we parted ways with love. Mm. He was really pulled to go and become a Theravadan monk in Northumberland, the north of um, England. And he wow. always said to me, oh, you'd make a better monk than I would. But... Uh, <laughs> I was sort of called to really come to Australia. You know, I'd had dreams about Australia. Um, I, I'd seen me meeting with teachers over here, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it was always meant to be, I think, you know, for me to come to Australia. And, and I loved it. Uh, and I came over on a working visa with another dear, dear, my oldest friend and, um, and didn't want to leave, you know. And, and we were fortunate at the time that... Um, you know, um, we could get in a lot more easily, you know, than we would have, um, you know, and we would have been able to do, you know, later on the track when my sister decided to come over, for example, and she had to go through trial after trial to get the points to come in, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I've been here ever since. <laughs> well, aren't we lucky to have you? We are, we are the better for it in Australia, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So I've been here ever since. And then I, I went on an exploration of, um, I think I just started to explore different states of consciousness. And I really looked into the different Buddhisms, um, um, Zen, Mahayana, Theravadan, and, um, and, and then looked into the, the, more, uh, the more pagan paths you know, and a connection with nature. And I don't think I really had a very conscious, you know, wide um, connection with nature when I was young in England. Although I did love to follow my auntie and her friends, you know, from town to town and then along 
the pathways following, you know, the um, canals. I really did love that, you know. I can remember that, you know. There's not a lot I can really remember from youth, but I remember that. Um, uh, and, yeah, so I loved, loved being over here and, um, and, and my expand, my connection with nature really started to grow. Mm. But, but I think it really, really, I don't know whether I'm jumping ahead here of your questions, um, but it was when I started on, um, I found um, a meditation technique which brings together a, a yoga that brings together, um, you know, different forms of yoga, karma, yoga, uh, and um, nada sound, the sound in there. There's a focus on um, uh, affirmation, um, reading the vibrations of the body with the hands. You know, our hands are quite magical, healing hands we all have. Um, and, you know, I really dove deeply into this yoga and, and was practicing morning and evening. And I had children as well at the same time the little ones were born. Um, and they were going to the Steiner School where there was more music, you know, so I was still surrounded by music, Steiner School, and that nature connection that Steiner mm. Schools, um, you know, really um, embody. Um, but once I started meditating consciously and, and um, with dedication, morning and afternoon, then I think, um, you know, I, my consciousness really started to develop. Mm. and my connection with the earth started to shift you know and I, I really felt um completely at one with everything how, what a, what a beautiful how how beautifully you've articulated that but it's that commitment isn't it to the meditation practice to yourself twice a day you know that that is what actually creates the shift it's that yeah. At taking time out because I think we we can be very focused it's easy to sort of connect in with the outside world we've got our five senses talk smell we can do all those things but it's harder to go on the inward journey and harder to commit time to that inward journey what what encouraged you to do that because I know a lot of people listening you know they're contemplating meditation or they may be meditators but it's always interesting to understand what was the step the, the definitive moment or the, the moment where you went oh I really this meditation doing this twice a day would be really great for me I think it, it's very interesting to look back because um at the time um my daughter was um two oh uh, yes my oh sorry three um well my third child had just been born and I was doing um Iyengar yoga so I was going regularly weekly husband would look after the three children and you know I would go and do the Iyengar practice but I kept injuring myself mm. you know it's quite um, hard. You can uh, do an Iyengar. Yes, you can. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, being competitive with myself, you know, I'd, I'd probably push my body <laughs> to the limits a little. You know, there are headstands and handstands and, and you know, I'm, so I kept having injuries. And, and it just came to me, just the information came to me that I needed to find, um, it was time to find a meditation class you know, it just came out of the blue. I hadn't been thinking about it. I'd sort of been quite meditative throughout my life anyway, you know. Um, and then just after I thought that, my husband came home from um, uni with a poster that he found on the wall. And there was a regular um, yoga meditation class. Um, and it was, yeah, so that, you know, that was the trigger. It was, I think that expression of my soul, 
you know, my, my higher self, my knowing self uh, brought me that. It was time, you know, it was time. So, yes, um, I really enjoyed that. and met lots of beautiful friends and that's where I started the meditation practice and the clearing practice too because it came, a lot with, came along with lots of um, clearing practices using the elements, you know, to help, um, you know, shed our bodies of, of, you know, the density that we carry from trauma. Mm. You know? so it, was a, it was a very powerful time. You know, I can't say that I meditate twice a day anymore but I did that for two year, uh, 20, 20 years. Wow. You know? And I know that that created a huge shift, you know, and it, I think it brought me into a place now where um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a state of meditation all the time, I think, you know, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a very, when, when you're around, you know, I think people listening, you know, you, you're just, you have a delightful energy to be around. It's very easy and calm but also joyful. And that to me is a sign of someone who's, who's you've met yourself in many ways. You, you've met yourself, you're comfortable with yourself and then you're happy about life. And yeah. that it's that energy that comes through. And I think that comes from that dedicated kind of practice of, of turning inwards. And, and, and as you said to you said something very interesting there in terms of doing the clearing work. Yes. We, we, it's valuable to do the clearing, come to that point of forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others and clearing out so that you can be more of a vessel really, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, consciously connecting with the elements and the world around us to yeah. support us in doing that mm. because we're all here as one, you know, that, that nature, you, every, everybody knows, you know, that, um, well, most people hopefully will know that if you go and lie out on the grass, you know, and just look at the clouds or, or go and walk through the water on the beach, you know, or immerse yourself fully, that it's very, very clearing. It's very cooling. You know, it, it clears out the heat in the body. Um, even having a foot soak at the end of the day, and that's what I used to do. You know, sit and have uh, put your feet in in water if you don't live near the water, um, and put a little bit of um, salt in there, Epsom salt, or just a sprinkle of soil if you don't want to add salt. You know. Um, and you know that will help to clear out the heat in the body, clear out the heat in the liver, you know. And it's such a fast-paced um, world we live in, especially if you're in the city or, you know, we we know in the Western world, especially, you know, that we become too active. You know, we we become really really busy. It's even to the point where some people can't stop themselves from thinking, can't, can't calm down, you know, can't find any space to feel relaxed. It's hard, you know, and they might go along to meditation class and, and say, please just stop me from thinking, you know, I've heard that, you know, I'll do anything. Um, because the, the, you know, that um, uh, without going into the subtle system too much, you know, that right side, the active side becomes really um, over-energized. Uh, the liver gets hot and then it can't produce, you know, the white cells for, for the brain and the balance is lost. Um, and, you know, we need to come back into the center. Um, so cooling ourselves down in the water uh, is, is, is so helpful. Mm. So oh. helpful. Yeah. Absolutely, is it is, and, and talk about any of this stuff, Anita. I mean, you know, the subtle energies. I think that's sort of where I'd I'd like to talk about. I'd like to really sort of move into that area of of guess when you. So please feel free to talk about anything. Is what I guess what I'm trying to say. But 
So, and so, so you've you've discovered meditation. You've you've been on this journey. When do you then more deeply? When do you then delve more into sound as as, as a way of life? Or is obviously music still with you? How, when do you go to the next level with sound? Well, and- that was during this meditation practice because the yoga I was practicing um, brought in um, had a knowledge of. Um, uh, it was a meditation practice brought in a knowledge of affirmations and mantras for for many um, aspects of, of the human being you know if you, if you look at the chakras for example the wheels of energy that we find at plexuses along the spinal cords you know and the energy bodies that look after the different bodily systems you know and organs um, um, well, in, in India, because of their ancient ancient practice, you know, of, of using sound and tapping into the subtle body, the energy body, there's an awareness of, of mantra, mm. of mantra that can be sung, um, and so many mantras. And 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 you know, so I did I did so many mantras <laughs> during those 20 years, you know. Um, and I sang them too in the form of um, of, of um, well, we sang, we sang affirmation. We sang we sang them in the form of mantra, and we sang um, bhajan, which are simple songs that um, you know Sanskrit language, you know Hindi also, um, uh, Marathi. But you know Sanskrit, as as you know, is a very ancient language that's unique in that it hasn't changed mm. over thousands of years. So it has you know whereas English, for example, is a wonderful universal language because um, it can be changed and adapted to different countries, et cetera. But Sanskrit is very pure in its vibration. And it was created, I'm probably going off track. No, I really don't. Keep going, keep going. And it was created through seers, you know, um, a sort of higher consciousness, um, you know, meditators um, in, in, in ancient India, sort of being able to, hear how the sounds of of the natural world around us resonated with our own bodies Mm -hmm. and and you know created these sounds and from these sounds that they then wrote down there came language Mm -hmm. there came um, sounds for each of the you know the energy centers in the body and then you know sounds that became language so when we sing you know, Sanskrit, it's, um, you know, the meaning of it is very pure, um, is connected with our, with our spiritual being, mm. you know, uh, our becoming whole. It really, it, it really is. I mean, I, there's, it's actually my favourite thing to sing is, is Sanskrit mantras because, and I think it obviously is because of that purity of it and there's a simplicity to it, but you're right, there's a resonance that can go through your entire being. And when I was doing the study with you, one of the things that um, I was, I found really joyful was to actually, when we did the sound, the voice of sound element in in the program was to actually sing some of those seed sounds into the chakras. Like that was, that was amazing to me. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And when it's um, accompanied, well, you don't need it to be accompanied. You can sing it yourself, you know, but um, when it's accompanied by, an instrument such as a harmonium, you know, the instrument I played, which is like an accordion, if, if people don't know, but, you know, it sits on the ground, um, you know, has keys like a piano, 
uh, and has bellows and, and creates this beautiful deep drone, you know, um, and, and, you know, you can just hold one key, one note or one group of notes and create a beautiful background for your practice mm-hmm. of singing, you know, these seed sounds. And it, um, I think, you know, especially when you hold a low drone, as we were saying before, that immediately helps to take you into a theta zone, mm. you know, into a deep healing um, meditative zone, you know, where healing can occur. Absolutely. Mm. So beautiful. And what we're talking about there is the, the, the brain waves. We, our brain is operating at different levels, but when we're healing, it's that the theta zone. So, so you're doing the meditation, you're singing the mantras, you're, you're in, involved in the music. What, when do you cross over into I guess, studying sound or how, how does this, this then become, you know, your way of life, not just your personal life, but part of your, who you are from a career and business perspective? Yes. Well, I was then teaching meditation for 25 years. I was teaching the form of meditation yoga that I was practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would do that um, twice a week, you know, um, in different places and not charge because it was the practice of this yoga that you don't charge, you know, um, how can you charge the, you know, the grass for growing, you know, so that, that was the um, philosophy there. Um, and so, you know, I was singing practice, you know, teaching people to sing these seed sounds, for example. Um, and I did that for a long time. Um, and then, um, and then I found, uh, I'm sort of skipping past a few things here, but then I found um, the Sound Healing Academy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and um, so I went from practicing with other people and singing, um, you know, for joy, for my own growth and clearing and you know betterment and ascension, if you like, um, to then studying the instruments, the beautiful instruments such as the crystal bowls who that I've artfully arranged on the kitchen bench behind me (laughs) so that you can see them (laughs) they do look beautiful so i encourage anyone listening to the podcast please go to youtube and and have a look at the the interview here because and do do have a look because anita's got some beautiful bowls there i might even before we finish ask even to play us a little bit of one as well i didn't ask that earlier but absolutely something there but yes they are artfully arranged beautifully arranged (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes so, um, yeah, I think, um, what was I doing? I was studying to be, well, I studied to be a high school teacher. I, I trained to be an English high school teacher. Um, I ended up doing sort of like a triple degree because I studied languages too. Uh, I studied French and um, Indonesian because I was told by a friend, oh, you should do languages really. I think it was John Howard at the time was going to bring Indonesian into all the schools. So I thought, okay, okay, so I'll study Indonesian. I might as well study French because I studied French at high school in English, England and loved it. Um, and, you know, languages uh, are, are a little bit easier for people also have, you know, that sound sort of um, area switched on in the brain, you know. Um, and so but then I, I, I sort of went into high school and thought, what am I doing here, you know. <laughs> So, I, you know, I love the connection with the kids. I really wanted to give something back because I really appreciated hugely, um, you know, the compassion and the connection I had with my own English teacher and my own French teacher. 
So, you know, I wanted to give something back. So I studied um, uh, to be a high school teacher, but then I realized that, you know, I, di I didn't really feel that I was, um, that I was giving what I could give in school, you know. Um, I didn't really support the school system, you know, as it is. It could be more like a, a Steiner school and be more dynamic and organic, you know, um, than it is now. And hopefully, you know, um, the system's changing, you know, so many more people are homeschooling or, or finding different schooling methods, and that's wonderful. Um, so I, I, I stopped doing that and um, I went back to the Steiner School. Um, well, I went back there to study to be a Steiner School teacher because, you know, it embodies nature and the natural cycles, you know, of the year and being in connection with the world around us. And we did a lot of singing there. But then I found, um, yeah, the Sound Healing Academy came up. Well, a different school of, of sound healing came up, first of all. And, you know, I was just waiting for the right time. And when I was ready to do that study, um, I actually found the Sound Healing Academy, which is based in Cornwall, and um, but is now all over the world. And is, um, you know, it started by a wonderful, wonderful, big-hearted man, Tony Neck. Uh, do a little plug for the Sound Healing Academy here. <laughs> and okay. all the teachers, and what I found with, you know, and, and Anne Ridgway, who was the first person to teach here in Australia, Annie, and um, instantly had a wonderful connection with her, you know, and all the teachers um, and, and could really see that everybody involved in this is here for, you know, not for a business purpose, but for the heart to help and support others, mm. uh, um, help and support others come back into balance to heal wounds, whether physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, etc., cetera, and, and to feel more joy and balance. Um, Yes, did that answer your question? Absolutely, it did. <laughs> I love it. And it's interesting that the Sound Healing Academy has its its roots in, back in England, and then yes. you are, a, you are a, a teacher for them here. So yes. perhaps we should talk then now a little bit about you know the power of sound as a as a healing modality, because I think yes. you know to to receive a sound bath. Um, you know, since I've been studying with you, I've I've given a sound bath just to family, and they they loved it. And it's working very much at that that level of calming the whole system down. Yes. But you are, you know, a master in this in this space. What? How I does feel like a child still actually, Jen? <laughs> There's so much to learn or relearn. Yes. So find, rediscover. I think we used to we used to have all of this knowledge, you know, centuries ago. Mm. Some of the indigenous people still do. Um, but you know, we it's we've not it's not been shared with us for a long time, and we're just refinding it again. So yeah, there's so much to learn, and and you know, there's so much discovery happening. There's so many scientists and, and medics, um, researchers, constantly, you know, looking into and finding more information about how we can, you know, find exact frequencies, mm. you know, for you know a tiny part of a cell within digestive system for example or you know to give frequencies to the whole of the human body to be able to you know feed that frequency back into us um, to help us find wholeness and wellness again that's right and, and, and because the the human body wants to come back to a, a healthy state that's from the research and the reading that i've done the body actually wants to come back into harmony but we've got to support it to do that 
and it feels like sound because it's so ancient and it's such a part of us. I mean, it's embedded in our DNA in many ways. And as you say, our Indigenous First Nations people here in Australia, it's such a strong part of our culture here. But in every culture, there's a drum. Um, there's this healing that can come through. I mean, my view is that, you know, where yoga, you know, sort of really took off in the 1980s, you know, probably the 90s into the 2000s, my personal view is that I think sound healing is going to be that for the next 20 years I think there's going to be a huge upswing in it but for the, and, and, you know because I think there is such value in giving and receiving sound baths and so on but can you yeah. perhaps explain to someone who might not have had a sound bath before who, who might not understand the power of sound healing how, how yeah. sound heal us how does it help us well um you know for a start most people don't realize that everything is sound you know, everything that vibrates in this universe is something that vibrates, creates a sound. You know, so from an initial pulse, you know, came, came faster pulses of energy, came plasma, came light, came sound, you know, came, uh, uh, and all of that is, all, is, um, is sound. And anything that moves, you know, our whole being is like a beautiful orchestra of, of parts, you know, that all work together. We have the violin, you know, section, the cello section, you know, the, the, the voice, the oboe, etc. you know, and every section, um, you know, the cells within the different bodily systems all have their own resonant frequency and their own relationship with the other cells in the body. You know, so we, if we could hear, you know, if we could hear below the very, very limited scope of 17 to 20 um, to, to 20,000 hertz, which is what the human being can hear. Um, you know, those, those, everything below, um, you know, infrasound and ultrasound above that, uh, there is still sound happening. We can't hear it, you know, but it's still there around us constantly moving, you know, and energy as, you know, the second law of thermodynamics, I think, says, you know, energy is never destroyed. It's um, remade, it, you know, it, it sort of, yeah, it, it, it remorphs into another form, you know. And um, so, you know, um, yeah, and, and it, a sound is everything. So if sound created form, then sound can undo form and it can manipulate form and it can, you know, it can change and, and, and you know, um, trans, transform. Mm. Um, anything you know and, and sound is being used for all, all sorts of different you know things experiments etc I mean we know sound is used you know to break up the kidney stones in the body we have ultrasound to be able to see what's going on you know with a, with a, a child in the womb um, you know uh, sound tuning forks are used to test our hearing and to test um, uh, you know um, a peripheral nervous system um, so, you know, sound is being used in modern science, but um, it's, it's also being developed for many more things, you know, and um, I could give you some links, but I can't quite remember. I just listened to a beautiful uh, talk with um, uh, a very well-known South African man who, um, who uh, talks about sound, who has studied all of the sound circles in Africa which are shown to be great resonating circles, it's technology, ancient, ancient technology of sound. Um, we, so, can, we can get a link. I'll get a link from, we can put that into the, the blog that goes with the podcast. Michael Tellinger, Michael Tellinger. Sorry. Michael Tellinger. 
Tellinger. Okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, listen to any of his talks. But, you know, sound has been used in all our ancient civilizations. And we can, we can if we research um, sound in Egypt, sound, you know, sort of ancient Mesopotamia or wherever, you know, sort of, there'll be a link with a knowledge of sound and healing and transformation. So, you know, once we know that, that sound is everywhere, um, we can understand that we can then use sound, we can bring in sound to help um, remedy areas of the body, you know, that have gone out of balance. So we might have fallen off our bike, you know, when we were a child and had a shock, you know, a shock wave went through us and that we buried it within ourselves. But that trauma is still held within the body, you know, or within the energy body. Or it might have been an injury, you know, and that injury is held within, um, you know, within the, um, within the muscles of the body, you know, very, very tight. Uh, it might then penetrate out through time to create more imbalance in the body, you know, um, and um, we can remedy that by bringing in sound. So we can bring in more frequencies, we can bring in healing frequencies um, with, with one instrument, one frequency or a group of frequencies or we can bring in rhythm to help, you know, retrain the brain back into a healthy state of, of being or help the heart, you know, retrain the heart into a healthy state of being or use rhythm to help bring us down into a deeper, you know, alpha, theta, delta wavelength, a very slow um, wavelength where deep healing can occur. Mm -hmm. where we can access knowledge from our own subconscious, which has been buried. It could be memories, you know, or, um, yeah, so it, it could be deep trauma or it could just be simple um, connection with the wisdom of our own self that then helps us to heal. You know, having connection with that will help us to heal. So it, it's used in physical, you know, mental, emotional and spiritual means as well to help bring back wholeness and well-being you know and when we have that and um, connecting us with our own source you know with the spirit pure spirit you know and i believe that we are pure spirit not just the body the mind the emotions the conditioning but pure spirit you know and spirit is fearless you know when we have that connection and we know that you know we have that connection and understanding that nothing ever dies you know and that even the body when it dies it transforms you know, but the, um, our spirit is eternal and infinite. Um, when we have that understanding, then there's no room for fear because it's only the ego that's frightened, it's not the pure spirit. So this is what brings the joy, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I'm in complete alignment with you on all of that thinking and that we are at the heart of it. We are actually perfect beings. We just don't see that about ourselves. We're, you know, we're... we're part of the greater consciousness of course we have to be perfect and yeah. the sound and the healing can help bring us back into that harmony into that into that as you said that's place of wholeness and and then we can experience joy yes absolutely yes yeah so absolutely. incredible and then that helps with everything you know with everything we experience you know we can then be the detached uh, witness to the play you mm. know to everything that's happening around us detached but with compassion you know, um, but not reacting to what happens, just witnessing it from, you know, the, 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 you know, the point of view of 
of pure spiritual, pure consciousness. That's right. You know, with compassion, yeah. And having that higher perspective, yes. In, in yogic terms, we call it, you know, witnessing the layla, you know, witnessing the, the illusion, but not being a part of it, but you're right, being compassionate. Yes. Certainly a happier way to live, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and, and this, you know, that vibration is a high frequency, you know, and, and, you know, when one person finding this, you know, can affect so much of the world around him or her, you know, um, and, and that's what I love mostly about the sound work. I mean, I love researching. I'm a researcher. I love to research everything that's being discovered, you know, but also just as much, maybe even more. Uh, well, yes, probably even more. I, I love to be able to, you know, um, connect with a person, you know, either through the workbooks I mark with online students or with people at the workshops and help them really help them to feel, to know who they are, mm. you know, then to know they're so much greater, they're, they're, so, they're so much bigger than what they might have grown up to believe, you know, <laughs> what we've been conditioned to think. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the holy grail and it's coming back home to yourself, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I have just so enjoyed our conversation and we are, we are coming close to our hour, but I just was going to ask... Would you would it perhaps be possible for you to play or a little bit of a bowl and perhaps explain that a little to us? Would, would that be okay? I'll bring one over. So just for those who are listening, Anita's got five really beautiful crystal bowls um, with her at the moment and she's just bringing one over. So I thought we could just all have a little bit of an experience of, of some of this sound that she's talking about. Now, I'm not sure how you'll hear this, how the microphone will pick it up. It might sound quite distorted, Jen. So well, we'll see how we go. And if it doesn't sound great, we'll, we'll just give it a little go. How loud is that? Can you hear that? Yeah, it's not picking it up well, I have to say. Yes, it's, it's perhaps not going to work so well for us in this format, but what we can do is I can put a link to perhaps Anita playing a crystal bowl or a huge one of her YouTube so that you can hear that. Um, Anita, if people wanted to delve into more of this, to connect with you more, to learn more about sound, where, where is the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah, well, they can come to my Facebook page, which is Sound and Serenity. Mm -hmm. um, and also I have a website. Um, it's it's yet unfinished, but um, there, there's still a little reading there and, and lovely pictures and links to a few little videos. Um, and that's also um, soundandserenity.com. Beautiful. Yeah. And also um, the Sound Healing Academy. Um, so if anybody, you know, well, I also advertise the courses, but if people are, are not in Queensland or are not in Coffs Harbour, you know, where I usually live, um, they can go to the soundhealingacademy.com and then go to workshop courses or online courses. And if they're in Queensland, they can come to um, workshop courses Queensland. Which I highly recommend. I highly <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Yes, me too. Me too. But um, before we close, just one question, I guess, Anita, if you, if, to think about we've talked a lot about sound and it's heal, your journey with it. And I want to say thank you. I feel like we've just scratched the surface today. I feel like I'd like to have you back for another another episode. Um, but for people who are, you've, we've heard about the healing power of sound, 
what's a way that people could perhaps bring sound into their everyday or have more of a consciousness of this? Is there a little practice you could share with us? Absolutely. There's, um, I think there's a name for this now, but also there's, there's um, a practice of listening, um, listening, feeling, smelling, just tapping into the five senses, you know, sitting outside. Um, I think with a level one course that you, you, we both did, Jen, uh, one of the first, very first practices is just to sit outside for half an hour and just listen. Mm. Close your eyes and just listen and, uh, you know, lie on the ground or put your feet on the ground, ideally. So you're really connecting with the earth. And, you know, so you're really feeling grounded and then open wide the ears and just listen to the sounds far, you know, far away and close to you without judgment, just listening, just enjoying, you know, the power of, of, of listening because it's, our, you know, it's our very first um, sense to be developed and our very last sense, you know, while we're in this physical body to be with us. Um, and also smell as well. You can use your other senses, tap into what you can smell, you know, uh, what you can feel on your skin, on your hair, on your face. Um, but yeah, mostly I think, you know, the, the listening for half an hour is, is so powerful. Mm. Um, I really love that. And then tapping into your own body and humming. Mm. You know, a lot's been said about humming in the last few years. And, very, very powerful means of um, tapping into your own body and, and clearing and harmonizing, being harmonic, you know, beautiful sound, your own beautiful sound, which is unique to you, you know, into your body, into every cell of your body by humming, you know, hum, start with 10 minutes in the morning and night if you like, but find yourself humming throughout the day and, you know, feel how wonderful that makes you feel. Mm. Yeah. Two beautiful practices, Anita, and things that are easily, we don't have to have any instrument other than ourselves to do it. And that sitting and being present, listening is beautiful. And also it's a beautiful exercise, but also the humming really, yes, you're right. And so with that humming into different parts of the body where we may be feeling tension or, or not feeling easy and seeing how we can release ourselves. Absolutely. Oh. Very good point. Yes. Oh, I just love it. Well, Anita, I just want to say thank you so much for your wonderful time with us today. I feel like you've opened the, you've lifted, pulled back the curtain on, <laughs> on the beautiful story of sound. Um, I just want to thank you so much for your time and for all that you do. You are truly sharing an incredible gift. And I do believe this is the next wave of healing modality for all of us, actually. It's something that is so ancient, yet so primal and so with us in this moment. So we're so grateful for you and all of the work that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been absolutely lovely to see you again and to chat with you here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Your Freedom Unlimited. If you like this show, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review Your Freedom Unlimited on your favourite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at jenramsey.com. Thanks for listening. 